Good morning and welcome to a special edition of Vision for You. Today is Sunday, October 1st, 2023. My name is Melanie C., a recovered compulsive overeater living in Canby, Oregon. The share ID numbers for Friday, October 29th, what my goodness gracious, it's not October 29th, must be September 29th, or 20 are uh, the following, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study Meeting, 20688-20688. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study, the share ID number is 20689-20689. And to be clear, that was for Friday, September 29th, 2023. This morning, A Vision for You presents An Unshakable Foundation for Life, Steps 10, 11, 12. If you are new here today and jumping right into working the steps abstinently, this may seem like a leap to speak about step 10, 11, and 12, but hang in there. This presentation is for you too. Steps 1 through 9 are necessary and all wrapped up in steps 10, 11, and 12. Step 1 is a foundation step, willingness through despair, and you can check a little bit more on that throughout the big book, but let's take a look at page 12 and page 25 today of the big book on your own. Step two is the cornerstone, belief through hope. Take a little reference to that on pages 47 and then 53 and 56 more specifically. Let's check about step two. Step three is the keystone, direction through decision. Read a little bit about that on page 62 of the big book. Steps four through nine, freedom from the bondage of self through action. Check a little bit more about that on page 75 in the chapter into action. So there you go. Easy breezy. You've gone through step one and through nine. You're all caught up. Let me assure you, I say that tongue in cheek. But this does take us right up to step 10. Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics, compulsive overeaters in our case, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Step 10, 11, and 12 are sometimes called the maintenance steps. They repeat many of the points outlined in the previous nine steps, but they emphasize the value of continuing to work the steps on a daily basis. They are intended to act as insurance against a relapse. Should be a daily practice. Daily internal and external inspection being on the lookout for those dust bunnies that blow up under the sofa that build up over time if not properly wiped away, which could spell disaster. Bill Wilson emphasized how crucial this evaluation is, especially for addictive personalities, which tend to be willful in nature. Our need to surrender ourselves to God daily will go on throughout our lives. We ask ourselves questions like, Which of my character defects popped up as an invited guest today? Am I using the tools of the program? Am I praying? Am I thanking God for all the opportunities for growth that have occurred for me during the day and for any positive things that I have been freed 
to be able to do from the bondage of self. The reason this is so important is that the disease, which is denial and delusion, is always hovering just to what a decision away to throw us back into fear and confusion. Its tactics are to convince us in various ways that, yeah, you'll be all right now. You don't need a stupid program to lead a normal life. We're on guard and on the lookout for that sort of thing, precepts 10, 11, and 12. This practice is a beginning into the world of spirit. We will find that this happens naturally as we've cleaned up the past. We enlarge it daily as we walk away from the food and into the world of pressing in and leaning on power rather than self-reliance. Step 12, it's time to spread the word of the AA program to others in need. These aren't really steps that you complete, quote unquote, as much as you We all wake up each morning as an untreated addict, so they have become a way to conduct our lives, a pattern, a blueprint, so to say. They work like nothing else ever has on the disease of compulsive overeating. From sickness, delusion, and denial to humility, faith, an unselfish sacrifice. Step 10, 11, and 12 keep us building that paralleled life. Today, our guest speaker will share personal experience and insights regarding the application of steps 10, 11, and 12 in her daily life, outlining the spiritual practice and the evidence of being transformed by utilizing these steps. A vision for you is honored to welcome this morning to the line, Jordan L. from Colorado. She is so reliable and so dedicated to living this particular way of life and for the service at A Vision for You Big Book Studies every day of her life. We see her in these rooms. And so it's especially exciting to have her here. And it's especially thrilling to share in her recovery milestones as a recovered woman. Please help me to the welcome to the line this morning, Jordan L. from Colorado. Good morning. Good morning, Mel. Um, that was really beautiful. Um, my name's Jordan Now. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater um, from Colorado, but actually in uh, New York City this morning. Um, I'm visiting some family here. Um, so I'm very grateful. <laughs> um, I'm very grateful to be abstinent and on a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous this morning. Um, uh, a little bit nervous, but um, I'm very grateful to be here. Um, and I want to say, uh, I want to say that, like, um, like how how do I want to say this? <sighs> Me being here, like, it really has, like Melanie was talking about, it really has nothing to do with me. Um, my experience coming into this program was that it, it really had nothing to do with me. And that sounds weird because when I come in here, it's all about me. <laughs> um, as like a compulsive overeater, I was leading a very self-centered life. I'm not sure that I really understood that or that I could even articulate that to you in the beginning. Um, I, I didn't know that, um, <clears throat> but, um, after, after hanging out for a while, coming in, hanging out, working these steps, 
starting to understand what it is that the big book is talking about when it refers to self-centeredness, um, I, I start to I start to see um, the condition that I was in um, when I came in here. Like the further removed that I get from it, I start to understand that condition and the harm that it was causing to myself and the people around me. Um, <clears throat> and I start to see just how accessible and available this program is to anyone who's willing to seek. Um, like it, it really has, it has been my experience. I read this when I came in here, and now I know after practicing that it, it's my experience um, that God doesn't make too, too hard of terms with those who seek. Um, <clears throat> so, um, yeah, like I said, I'm really grateful <clears throat> to be in a meeting. I'm really grateful for this meeting in particular. It's been a part of my recovery um, since, well, since August 1st of 2017, it's, it, or August, <laughs> October 1st <laughs> of 2017 is, is when I got abstinent. Um, <clears throat> and I'm really grateful for this meeting because it has a very strong, clear message. And it carries it day after day, um, and it doesn't it doesn't waver, <laughs> um, it doesn't get watered down. Um, it's very very clear. We're always going back to the foundation that's found in the Big Book, um, and it's just so it's so stable. You know, it's such a beautiful thing to have um, when you come in here and you're in the food. And life's crazy and out of control. Um, and you don't have any answers. <laughs> like you tried all of your ways. Um, and none of them worked. And you're really left without any answers whatsoever. Um, <clears throat> and you don't know what to do next. Um, and you're like really ready and willing to try something new. <laughs> um <clears throat> So I'm grateful for this meeting and that it has a message for those people because um, that's who I was um, <clears throat> when I came in in 2017. Uh, and I'm especially grateful for all of the people on this meeting that share and are of service. Um, it's, a very, it's a very clear, authentic message. And you can actually hear it in people's voices. You can hear the fact that they're practicing this stuff on a daily basis. Um, cause I, I was, I was real unsure about this God thing and I was real unsure about the idea of a spiritual experience. Um, I had, I had a lot of, um, uh, prejudice, um, especially against religious people and the religious examples that I had seen in my life. So um, I, wasn't, I wasn't really sure that I wanted this, um, but I really had no other answers. Um, and so when you're in that place, you, I, I guess like you just don't know how valuable this is until you're in that place. Um, but how valuable it is to have genuine examples of people practicing this. Like I, I, I really wouldn't 
I just wouldn't have even tried it had I not um, had those examples. It was, it, was very, it was very, very important to have that in my life. Um, <clears throat> and I found that in this meeting. Uh, uh, those demonstrations of this program. Um, I, I also wanted to um, really quick, like before we start getting into the meat of this, I wanted to talk about um, how important it's been to my, my own recovery um, to continue to be a learner in this program. Um, we talk about newcomers, right? And um, it's been very, very important to my own recovery to continue to have that sort of newcomer mentality. Like, um, and maybe not even a newcomer mentality, but a, a, a uh, intention of not knowing <laughs> so that I can come here and I can set aside what it is that um, I think I know about this program and I can learn something new. Um, I, I have to be able to do that on a daily basis for my own recovery in order to stay here and to stay um, inspired by practicing these steps. Um, and it, it's hard after you've been doing this for a while because you get a lot of experience and so it's actually hard to practice that as a way of life um, once you have a lot of experience because you kind of start thinking that you know something, right? <clears throat> or I kind of start thinking that I know something. Um, so it's been important to intentionally set aside what I think I know about the big book, um, about a spiritual experience, about working these steps, about guiding someone through the steps as a sponsor. Um, set all of that stuff aside to have a new experience. And it's worked, you know? Like it's been, um, it's been six years that I've been abstinent, um, thank God. And uh, I'm like, I'm, I still wanna be here. <laughs> and that's coming from someone who like, didn't really wanna be involved in anything <laughs> prior to recovery. Um, so that's really special for me, for sure. Um, so I, I continue to practice that. Um, I continue to practice being a learner. Um, and it helps me, especially in working step 12, it helps me carry the message um, to uh, newcomers or uh, even people who've been in the rooms for a little while and, and want to try uh, a new way or the, the way that's outlined in the big book. Um, it helps me when I'm when I'm working with others, um, <clears throat> actually getting into the nitty gritty of the steps um, and and guiding folks through and and being guided as well, because um, <clears throat> my sponsor works the steps with me too, um, and it helps me in practicing principles in all of my affairs. Um, and this is. God, this is the real doozy, huh? Practicing principles in all my affairs. Um, and I, I just wanted to talk, take a second to talk about this really quick. Because um, I, I didn't, prior to working the steps, 
over and over and over again, right? Because I haven't just worked the steps once. I didn't, I came in and I did, I worked the steps all the way through in, um, in about six months between the last three months of 2017 and the first three months of 2018. And by March, I was sponsoring people, right? Um, but what I've done since then is go back and work the steps again and again and again and again. And sometimes I do this as a sponsor working with other people. And sometimes uh, I, I do this again as a sponsee, you know, being guided through. Um, <clears throat> and it's only through that, like, I, I don't know if like my brain needs a lot of repetition or what it is. I don't know if anyone could relate to this. Um, but it's through that that I've learned to practice these principles in all of my affairs. Um, my own attempts, like attempts on Jordan's own self-will power <laughs> to practice principles in all of my affairs, was it didn't turn out very pretty. It's like me trying to get rid of my own character defects. It's just not, it's self-will, you know? It's self-will, it's ego. Um, it just doesn't really work. Um, <clears throat> so it's by uh, practicing all 12 steps over and over again that I'm able to practice principles in all my affairs. Um, and I'm able to start embracing a large, full, abundant life. Um, and I will say that embracing abundance means that things are out of control at times. And that sounds, that sounds hard and scary, especially for new people, right? Because usually, like when I came in here, I, that's what I thought I needed was control, right? If I could just control everything, if I could just control my food, if I could just control my life, if I could just control the people in it, um, if I could just control my job or the people at my job, if I could, could just control my family um, and their behavior, their conduct, what it is that they're doing, then I'll be okay, you know? Like, if that stuff was just um, controlled, then it would, it would be okay. And I come to find out that um, control is actually at the root of all of this. The control is actually at the root of this disease. Um, <clears throat> and that it's not, it's not gaining control or it's, it's not control that I find in recovery. What I find in recovery is an ability to let go and to let life be as big as it needs to be. Um, <clears throat> that it's no longer possible to manage it. And so I, I, I stopped trying to manage it, you know? Um, I literally find a new way to live. Um, and I'm not talking about chaos, you know? Chaos is complete disorder, total confusion, and that's not recovery. Um, <clears throat> what I'm talking about is um, uh, is is beyond that, is being okay with the way that things are, um, and that's really because I'm taking care of of 
uh, my insides, <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm finally at a place um, where I'm asking for the right things. Uh, there was a Sunday special edition a couple of weeks ago on the serenity prayer. I loved it. It was so beautiful. And that's really what it is. Like in recovery, I have found a way, I, I have found, uh, I have found what it is that um, I can control. And that's the insides, right? Like that's my internal life and what's, what's going on internally with me and God. Um, and that's where I ask for courage to change so that I can let the outsides be what they are, you know? And that's where I ask for the serenity to accept. Um, and it's like working the steps over and over again. That's, that's where I get uh, the wisdom to know the difference between those two things. Um, <clears throat> and real quick, for all of the fixers out there, the steps are not about fixing yourself. <laughs> I thought they were. <laughs> um, so if you were a fixer like I was, um, this is not about fixing yourself. We work the steps over and over again to stay spiritually active. Um, and I continue to learn something new every time about myself, about God, and about life. Um, <clears throat> and so if I, um, uh, if I, I like a lot of this is stuff that I didn't understand while I was working the steps and that's okay. Um, a lot of this is stuff that I come to understand in reflection and like looking back at working the steps. Um, I understand it in retrospect, which is great, right? Um, but it's not about changing the past. It's really about like learning from the past so that I can move forward in um, a new and hopefully better way, a, a better way that serves both me and the people around me in a much better way, right? Um, so looking back on working the steps, like I, I, what I see is that um, what I see is that this was really about being blocked. Um, <clears throat> again, I didn't know this when I came in here, but I was I was blocked. I had like all these blockages in my life, and that's it's rough because like you don't know that you know, and you can't see it. And at that point in time, like I'm so on edge and so stuck that if you were to tell me that I was blocked, I would have like taken it personally and been offended and, and been like, what the hell are you talking about? I've been working so hard my whole life to be the best I can be and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And it's not, it's still not working out, you know? Um, it's still not working out. My very best ideas, my very best ideas got me compulsively overeating on a daily basis, completely and totally isolated and cut off from everyone in my life. Um, <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I looking back, I understand that this is about blockages. And it it's like slowly but surely I work the steps and the blockages are removed. 
So the first one is abstinence, right? Like that's the first thing. That's the thing that's got me totally blocked from any kind of recovery when I come in here. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, I get abstinent right out of the gate. It's not, I don't work the steps to get abstinent. I get abstinent in the beginning. Um, the doctor's opinion is it's, it's prior to the steps starting in the big book with chapter one Bill's story, right? So abstinence is something I do pre-steps from the very beginning. Um, I read through the doctor's opinion. I understand. I gain an understanding of, of what it is that I'm dealing with, of the true nature of my problem. Um, and that understanding is great. It's very necessary, right? Um, but self-knowledge is not my solution. Self-knowledge is necessary. I, I do need this self-knowledge. It is helpful, for sure, as far as, like, the true nature of my condition. Um, but it's not my solution. Um, <clears throat> so I get abstinent prior to working the steps. I want to um, mention Overeaters Anonymous's. Uh, uh, Overeaters Anonymous has a definition of abstinence, um, and it's one that works really well for all of us. It's a source of unity for this fellowship, so I want to mention it here. Um, abstinence is refraining from the act of compulsive overeating while working towards or maintaining a healthy body weight. And it's really important that we, like, use that definition. That is our definition of abstinence that we can all agree on and we can all get behind and support. And then on an individual basis, I need to go into my own food history with guidance from a sponsor, from someone who's, who's recovered, who's been relieved of this food obsession in order to determine what it is that I have to abstain from on an individual basis. Because there are things um, that go beyond that definition that I have to get really, really specific on. Um, and it, it starts in my own food history. It starts in looking at, at uh, my own food history, right? Um, and then I am able uh, to determine what it is that I have to abstain from on an individual basis. Um, and it, it, it's, I want to mention, too, that it's important that this is done individually. Because when I came in here, um, I actually came into OA for the first time in 2000. I did not get abstinent, but I what I heard was abstinence is no sugar, no flour, um, and I, I that's not true. <laughs> like that is not accurate. There are things that do not contain sugar or flour that are not abstinent foods. They are alcoholic foods for me. Um, so it's very important that I look at my food history on an individual basis. Um, and so in getting abstinent, um, I was using food for an effect as a compulsive overeater. So in getting abstinent in the very beginning, um, I, I am exposed very quickly um, and life gets very raw emotionally very quickly. Um, <clears throat> and 
I, again, like, I'm glad no one told me this at the time, or maybe someone did, I don't know, because it would have been hard to hear, but that's actually a good thing. It's actually a good thing that I'm, I'm really raw and I'm, I'm really emotionally exposed because um, working the steps from that place, that's, like, it's, it really is what, like, carries me through this spiritual experience, you know? It really is what fuels um, uh, this desire to, like, keep moving through the steps, you know? Um, Because let's, like, let's be honest. The steps are not easy. Um, Simple most of the time. I don't know. You can really complicate the crap out of them if you really want to, but um, they're not easy. Um, It is, like, this is a, a, a treatment, you know? So, like, if you look at other diseases like cancer, you look at the treatment for cancer, sometimes the treatment actually um, is actually more uncomfortable than the disease itself. Um, the treatment, you know, especially cancer treatment, it can make you really, really sick, you know. It's, it's almost worse in some ways than the disease itself, except that cancer is going to kill you in the long term, whereas the treatment is going to get really gnarly and uncomfortable in the short term. Um, but the long results, the long-term results are going to be much better. Um, there's recovery in the future um, or remission in the case of cancer, right? Um, so, yeah, abstinence, getting abstinent um, removes that first blockage, which is the food. Um, and then I start working the steps. And that's what the steps are all about, removing blockages. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so... Step one is really, it's about getting to know, um, well, steps one, two, and three are about getting to know God, uh, getting to know myself, God, and um, uh, society. And I say societies with a capital S because it it really is a power greater than myself. Um, So in step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Um, it's about honesty. It's about conceding to my innermost self. Um, and really what it does is remove the blockage of denial. Um, so this is stuff that I, I know out of my own experience. Um, and Overeaters Anonymous, was, it was really just like an avenue for me to um, get to know my own experience and to be able to admit this. You know, be able to admit that I was a compulsive overeater, that I'm a distinct entity. Um, And so it removes the blockage of denial. Step two came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. This is about openness um, and really being open to a sane and healthy way of eating or relating to food, um, which I most definitely needed. Um, I had never really had an example of that in my life. Um, Not that I had sought that example, because I hadn't, but um, in step two, I I did. I really was seeking the sane and healthy way of of eating and relating to food. And so it's like a whole new relationship that I find um, in a food plan. (laughs) 
Um, <clears throat> and this, this removes the blockage of resistance. Um, step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understood him. Uh, this is about willingness. Um, and what I have found in my recovery is that willingness begets willingness. Um, willingness is, it's not about praying for a certain level of willingness, whatever willingness you believe you need in order to start these steps. Um, willingness begets willingness. So you start with wherever you're at, whatever it is you're willing to do. If it is take one step forward, then take that one step forward because doing that will give you more willingness to take another step forward after that. That's how this goes. Um, <clears throat> and this removes the blockage of inaction, um, which is something that I had grown very accustomed to in my compulsive overeating. All three of these were, right? Denial, resistance, inaction. Like these were my go-tos in this disease. Um, so it was necessary to have those blockages removed. Um, and then in steps four and five, I start um, getting getting right with myself. Um, <clears throat> four and five, it's about courage and integrity. Um, and I really am. I'm learning about the things that I cannot change um, and about the things that I can change. Uh, I'm really getting into the nitty-gritty of my own personal life and circumstances and situations and people um, and starting, like, understanding what it is that I cannot change, uh, which is the past. I do write about it in the fourth step, um, <clears throat> although I cannot change it. And I start to understand. I make I, I make that turnaround, you know, Um with resentment, I say the sick man's prayer. With fear, I ask God um, who it is that God would have me be instead. Um, <clears throat> and with conduct, I, I asked for uh, a, a new ideal moving forward, you know. And I start to understand that it's my actions. Um, my actions is what I need the courage to change. Uh, and then step six and seven, it's about getting right with God. Uh, <clears throat> principles are willingness and humility. And again, um, I'm I'm learning to know, <laughs> I'm getting the wisdom to know the difference <laughs> um, between what it is that I can change and I cannot change. Um, and step six and seven, like I, those have evolved for me over the years, right? Um, they started out as like these these two quick little paragraphs that I read about in the big book um, when I first first went through the steps um, I came in I came into a 12-step program prior to Overeaters Anonymous back in 2009 um, and and so I had I have watched my experience evolve over the years right and step six and seven is one like those steps they started out as just two little paragraphs um, and have really evolved into, um, God, like the whole foundation uh, for practicing 10, 11, and 12, you know? Um, 
<clears throat> and then uh, steps eight and nine, it's about getting right with society. Um, and the principles there are love and justice. Um, and again, I'm learning about the things that I cannot change, um, which is like society, circumstances, the things around me, the outside external world, um, and the things that I can change, which is that internal condition. Um, <clears throat> the things that I say <laughs> coming out of my mouth, the actions that I take. Um, <clears throat> and how I decide to behave. Um, and it, it really is, I, I didn't know this in the beginning, right? It's only years of practice that I see this. Um, but uh, the, the, the things that I can change are, it's me. Like, that's it, you know? Um, and I... Yeah, it's me. Um, and like I said, it's only years of practicing the steps, but I really know that deep down in my core. Um, and then we get to steps 10, 11, and 12. Um, <clears throat> and I talked about the first nine steps because, uh, like Melanie said, the the first nine steps, they're, they're in, in they, they are step 10, right? Like working those first nine steps, steps, you learn the mechanics of taking inventory, and that's how it is that you're able to continue to take inventory. Um, it's also where you get some humility to be able to start admitting when you're wrong, you know. Um, it's where I get some humility to start admitting where I'm wrong. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, step 10, I learn to focus on my own mistakes. Um, and I say that, uh, sometimes we talk about uh, taking inventory in order to see our part. Um, I gotta tell you, there is no your part. It's 100% yours. This is your resentment. <laughs> you don't have part of it, it's yours, completely and totally. So um, it's not about learning to see my part. It's about learning learning to uh, see my mistakes, you know, um, where it is that I, I step sideways um, <clears throat> and I kind of, um, uh, where it is that I went wrong. Um, and mistakes are, mistakes are something that everyone makes, right? Um, Early on in the steps, I got really, I could get really caught up in the shame around um, making mistakes and starting to feel like I'm not making mistakes, but I am the mistake. Um, and I, I'm not, um, I haven't like done something wrong, but I am wrong, you know? And there's a big difference between those two. Um, <clears throat> mistakes are something that everyone makes. And it's, it's okay to make them. Um, but that's not an excuse to, like, continue on with what it is that we're doing. We're on a life and death errand at this point. Like, us learning to take inventory is our recovery, you know? Like, it is how we recover from this disease. So um, it's very important that, that we learn the mechanics of all of that. Um, 
<clears throat> and steps one through nine. Um, and I learned that the uh, the results and the conduct, um, my own behavior towards others is what I need to take uh, responsibility for. Um, and then the big book says, our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. Um, and I, I got to say, I love the big book because it works. It works. And it works for different kinds of people, too. And that's really cool because you do find different kinds of people in Overeaters Anonymous. Um, back in step three, it talks about the actor. Some people are very gracious. Um, <clears throat> and you have the, the very great, generous actor who's always giving of themselves, but um, really it's deep down it's selfish. It's about them looking good or it's about them um, uh, getting praise from others, right? Um, and then you have the mean, egotistical actor who's like the dictator type and shouting and telling people what to do and how to be and, and all of these things, right? And the steps work for both those types of people, you know? Um, I mean, most of us are a combination of the two, right? But it works um, for all different types. Um, so this idea of our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness, that looks different for different people, you know? Um, as far as the nitty-gritty, what it looks like to um, grow in understanding and effectiveness, you know? So the generous type, they might need to be more assertive, um, or they might need to um, stop letting people walk on them, you know, and learn to assert themselves in a loving, tolerant, caring way. You know, like that could be their spiritual journey. That could be how they grow in understanding and effectiveness. Whereas the other type, um, which I, I will say personally, I relate to a little bit more, um, the dictator type, they are, uh, and not dictator as in like a nation, but dictator as in like they're always dictating to other people what to do. Um, that type is... Uh, they're they're probably going to benefit spiritually from um, maybe not saying anything, <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe just just being quiet and listening. Um, and I will say that my spiritual life has benefited most from learning to listen. Um, <clears throat> uh, and step ten is something we learn to practice throughout the day. Um, <clears throat> I continue to watch. Uh, for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. I'm not going to go too far into the mechanics of that because, um, like I said, you learn the mechanics of that in steps one through nine. Um, but continuing to watch, doing this, practicing this step over time, it helps me become aware of my thinking, um, what's running through my head on a regular basis. And I, I got to tell you, that's something I was not aware of prior to recovery. Like I would, I would think all day long, and then not even like be aware <laughs> of all of the thoughts that I had had throughout the day. Um, so step ten was it was difficult in the beginning, learning to do that, learning to just be aware of what it is that's going through my head. 
um, trying not to judge it, you know, like judgment is a character defect of mine. So I'm not here to judge that thinking, but it is really necessary that I become aware of it um, so that I, I know what's going through my head. Um, <clears throat> uh, and then we turn it over to God or we talk to someone immediately and or both um, and promptly admit when we're wrong. Um, and the most important part of practicing this step, um, what I have come to see is the most important part is turning our thoughts towards someone we can help. Um, and this is especially important for resentment. Um, resentment was something that would spin out of control for me. Like I would have, I, I would get the resentment, I would think about it for 10 minutes and continue to hold on to it and continue to obsess about it through the rest of the day. Um, and it is so ineffective. <laughs> it takes so much time. It takes so much energy. You end up causing harm to people who are, you know, like the day becomes a war path and you're causing harm right and left um, to people who have nothing to do with the resentment um, just because obsessing about a resentment like that, it, it affects your personal relations all throughout the day. Um, <clears throat> so it's very important. It's been a very important skill for me personally to learn to turn my thoughts towards someone I can help. I can't um, continue to obsess about the resentment. I need to take some sort of action and de deliberately turn my thoughts towards someone I can help. Um, and then, you know, love and tolerance is our code. Um, and this is definitely an image that usually provokes sort of like this unadulterated pleasantness um, in our minds, right? Love and tolerance is our code. Everything's going to be great and hunky-dory. That is not my experience. <laughs> um, my experience of practicing love and tolerance as a code is that it's actually quite a disruptive process um, compared to the way that I was living in the food. Um, <clears throat> and most growth processes are disruptive. Like you can't, you can't really have growth without disrupting the status quo, you know? So, um, yeah, that's the, the reality. Um, and then step 11, when we retire at night and on awakening, um, it's important that I learn to practice this stuff on a daily basis. Uh, and I, I do. I start my day with it. I end my day with it. Um, that's something that it took me, it took me a really long time to start to get that. Like, I think when I first started step 11, it was really just like once a week, I would go to a meditation meeting and meditate for 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> and that was about it, you know? Um, in the beginning of my recovery, but that's okay. Like, that's a starting point, you know? Um, and after, like, practicing this for years and years, like, I am now at a point where I'm, um, I, I want to start my day with this, and I want to end my day with this. And it's not a chore anymore. It's something that um, uh, I want to do, you know? And, and that comes, that only comes 
or at least for me, that only came with practice and time, you know? And so it's something that I just persevere in. Um, my favorite part of step 11, um, asking for inspiration, an intuitive thought or a decision, is perfect. It's exactly what I need, you know? Um, I have to stay inspired on a daily basis in order to continue to practice this. Um, and that, what I was talking about in the beginning, continuing to be a learner, is a, a very important part um, of that, of that inspiration. Um, <clears throat> uh, and then we pause when agitated or doubtful. Uh, again, as far as like the, the practice of this, it took me a long time to start practicing this. Like it literally took me like 10 years <laughs> of working the steps um, and being in recovery to start practicing to pause when agitated or doubtful. Um, and I don't want to, again, like that's not an excuse to not do this stuff, right? Um, but it is reality. Uh, Pausing was something, it's something that does not come naturally to me at all in any way, shape, or form. And I really do. I had to work very, very hard at it. I still have to work very, very hard at it. Um, but I am like, a, I'm like a whole different person because of it, you know? A whole different person because of learning to pause. And the relationships in my life are completely transformed as a result of learning to pause. Um, <clears throat> and that's not to say that I don't, I, there aren't problems at times or disagreements or conflicts, um, but learning to pause in the moment and not just reacting to what it is that's going on, but being like, like pausing, maybe coming back later and being intentional about like, this is who I want to be in this situation. This is how I want to participate in this situation. It's completely transformative. Um, and even if it takes 10 years um, to learn to practice that, um, don't give up. <laughs> um, and so this is where the title um, the Unshakable Foundation for Life. This is where um, this comes in. That's actually something, th those are, it's not mine. Um, he talks about it in Step 11, in the 12 and 12, AA 12 and 12. He talks about prayer and meditation being for life. Um, and uh, it's been my own experience. Um, it's it's, I'm able to come back to it over and over again um, and get, get what I need from it, you know, um, get the energy uh, to be able to go out into the world um, <clears throat> and deal with whatever it is that's, uh, that's in front of me. Because that's what I'm talking about. Like, um, life is coming at me, you know. Um, Things don't become um, rosy and rainbows just because I'm in recovery. There's still things that are happening. Um, 
right now, I'm in New York visiting family. Um, one of my family members has cancer and has been in treatment for five years now, fighting this stuff, you know? Um, <clears throat> but practicing 10 and 11 and 12, it helps, uh, it helps me uh, show up and be the kind of um, niece that I want to be, you know? Um, a couple of years ago, I lost my job because of COVID. Hands down, one of the hardest things. Um, getting sober was hard. Getting abstinent was hard. Man, losing a job is is uh, difficult too. Um, I stayed abstinent through all of it, and it's the only reason. Is <laughs> um, because of this fellowship. And because of practicing this stuff on a daily basis um, and just taking it one moment at a time. Um, and so it's true. Bill, what Bill calls it, the unshakable foundation for life, it's true. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, so stay persistent in taking inventory um, and continue to take service-oriented action even if it's action that is completely unrelated. Well, it's actually important. It's got to be action that's completely unrelated to your own problems <laughs> so that you can get out of your own problems um, and uh, start thinking about someone else. You know, um, my sponsees, I love them. I absolutely love those phone calls because for an hour, I get out of my own problems. I don't think about my problems at all. <laughs> um, <clears throat> And it's all about them, um, and it's all about recovery. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, I get off the phone, and most of the time, my problems have depleted, at least in the amount of space that they're taking up in my brain. Um, and that kind of that brings us to step twelve. Um, so having had a spiritual awakening. Um, Common sense becomes uncommon sense, as Bill talks about in uh, his story. Um, and I start living in the fourth dimension, the realm of the spirit. I start, I'm living in the same world, right? It's the same world, same circumstances, same society, same people, you know? Um, but I'm different. I have this different perspective. Um, and I see, I see things differently, you know? Uh, and uh, God, it, it's just such a, it's, it's a really good thing, you know? Um, I don't know about you, but prior to recovery, I was a pretty negative person. Um, life was rough. Man, you know that paragraph? There's a paragraph, I think it's in... I think it's in there as a solution where it talks about the futility of existence. God, I can relate to that stuff, man. <laughs> the futility of existence. Like, ugh, that's what life was. Um, <clears throat> so working the steps, it, it kind of, it, it gets turned on its head. Um, and common sense thus becomes uncommon sense. I, I think that um, 
it, it's like I was talking about, like that service-oriented action that has nothing to do with solving my own problems. That's the that's the common sense becomes uncommon sense, right? Um, and it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. But like I said, I get off the phone, and my problems have depleted. You know, they've gotten smaller. Um, <clears throat> so it it works. Um, and we carry this message. Um, my favorite part of the program, <laughs> we give it away to keep it. Um, we work these steps. We take these actions. Um, and God literally transforms the hardest, um, the hardest things in life, the, the, the stuff that we've been through. Um, God takes that and transforms it into, uh, into something helpful for someone else. Um, I use my experience. I use, you know, like I said, some of the hardest things, like losing a job. Um, God has taken that, and, and not even a job, losing a career. God has taken that and transformed it <laughs> into something that can be helpful to someone else. Um, <clears throat> I share about that experience, sharing about it, it helps me process it, it's helpful to me, um, and it's also helpful to someone else. Someone else, another compulsive overeater, hears about how, how as a compulsive overeater, you can stay abstinent through that, you know, and you can even come out better on the other side for it, you know. For me personally, it got me motivated to go back to school and I got a master's degree. That's pretty cool, you know? Um, that's a pretty phenomenal thing. And it wouldn't have happened had I not lost my job. <laughs> um, so God really does. He takes this stuff and he transforms it. Um, but it takes time and patience. Um, <clears throat> and we give it away to keep it. Uh, that's how this program works. Um, and finally, practicing these principles in all of our affairs. Um, this is where spiritual progress, not perfection, comes in. Um, we're not here to fix ourselves. Um, we're here to, to go through the motions. God does the fixing, you know. Um, and it's really important to... Uh, uh, understand that this is about progress, not perfection. It's really, really important, at least for me. Um, in order to stay here, in order to stay willing to continue to practice this stuff. Because um, I do, I screw up and I make mistakes. You know, something flies out of my mouth and I'm like, oh my God, why did I just say that? <laughs> It's not even what I meant. It's not even what I wanted to say, you know? Um, that still happens. Um, and so I go right back to step 10. <laughs> and I take that inventory. And I promptly admit when I'm wrong, you know? 
Um, but spiritual progress, not perfection, is very important in practicing these principles in all of our affairs because the most important part of practicing is practicing. Um, that I, I uh, stay persistent, that I continue to do it, that I don't get down on myself, I don't beat myself up, that's not useful to anyone, including me. Um, <clears throat> and so I continue to stay willing. Um, so, yeah, that's it. That's my time. That's all I got. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you so very much, Jordan. It was a lovely, lovely presentation this morning. I love listening to it, just moving through and your vulnerability and being able to share what it is that that you do on a daily basis and what growth really looks like and transformation, the reality of that. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. We'll ask Jordan for her contact information at the conclusion of this meeting. So stay around and listen for that. The share ID number for today, Sunday, November, oh my goodness gracious, it is not November, <laughs> for Sunday, uh, October 1st, 2023 is 20691, 20,691. The lines are now open for questions. If you have a question for Jordan, please unmute your phone by pressing star 1 on your phone keypad. Offer your first name, the first letter of your last name, and perhaps your state. And immediately upon asking your question, please press star 1 again to remute your line. The line. Who would like to ask a question this morning? <clears throat> Kathy K. Kathy, Kathy K. And somebody R. Mary Lee. Gotcha, Mary Lee. Thank you. Another Christina one? Morrissey. Christina, did you say? And then Maura. Got you, Maura. Anyone else this morning with a question? Pedro B. Pedro B. Okay. Thank you. Let's go with that lineup. Yeah, you're welcome. Kathy Kay would be up first for a question, and then Mary Lee R., and then Christina, and Maura, and then Pedro. Let's start with that lineup, then we'll see about taking some more if time allows. Hey, Kathy Kay, you're up first. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. Um, I'm Kathy Kay in Boston, compulsive overeater. And Jordan, uh, it was so good to hear you today. Oh, my goodness, the growth, um, the wisdom is just wonderful to bask in. Um, you said something that really struck me. I'd like you to, if you can, to expand on it. And that was how important it is to practice pausing throughout your day. That's exactly what I found after years to be so elusive and difficult, and I'm working on it. Can you give an example of how you do that um, and what actions you take in order to pause and become intentional about an action or a response. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question, Kathy. Um, appreciate you. Um, that's a really hard question, too. <laughs> um <clears throat> I I mean so if I when 
I take inventory, I start to understand, um, I don't know, like more about my past, more about where that reactivity comes from, you know? Um, I don't know about you, but I, I come from generational alcoholism. Um, <clears throat> and so I start to understand that that reactivity is um, it was it was passed down, and I don't say that as um, an excuse to not be accountable for it because i'm I'm a full grown adult today. The only person that has any control over what I say is me. <laughs> um, but I start to understand where I came from um, and how that stuff developed. And I start to understand that it couldn't have been any other way, you know? Um, that it developed for a reason. It was well-founded. Um, and now, it, like, this is character defect stuff, you know? Like, now, it, now it's no longer serving me. Um, <clears throat> and having that understanding helps for sure, because it, it kind of takes away, it removes all the shame and blame around all of it, you know, and I get rid of that stuff. So having that understanding helps, um, but understanding isn't the solution, right? The solution is practicing it. Um, and I mean, I, I like I set the intention in the morning, you know, upon awakening, I set an intention like, okay, um, I'm going to try to pause today instead of react, you know, um, <clears throat> and ask for, you know, ask, okay, God, can I have like five seconds? Can you give me five seconds to pause <laughs> before I react, <laughs> whatever situation it is, right? Um, and then, and then I, tr and then I practice it, you know, um, it's like, uh, practicing, um, I use, it's like, I, I mean, practicing is the only way, you know, like that's it. And it's, it's like you said, like, you know, like I, I know, I happen to know that you have a lot of years in recovery too. It's just practicing it. And, and, um, by practicing it intentionally, and asking God for help, um, I get better at it little by little by little. And it, it's hard because it doesn't always feel like I'm getting better at it. So it's really important that I take the time to reflect on my spiritual progress. Because sometimes it's really, really, really slow. And it's hard to see unless you're taking that time to reflect. And giving yourself a long period to reflect over, you know. Because, like, is my pause better today than it was yesterday? Not really. But it is better today than it was five years ago. You know? Thank you very much for that question and answer this morning. Next up are the questions. Mary Lee R. from Oregon, followed by Christina. Hey, Mary Lee. Good morning, Melanie and Jordan. And um, this is Mary Lee R. in Eugene, Oregon. And through God's grace and recovery one day at a time. 
Um, Kathy, well, that question, and uh, let me try to rephrase it a little bit. When I love that you you keep doing the steps over, and you sort of answered it by saying what's different, but how is doing the steps over today different than um, five years ago? Thank you. So five years ago, I was, well, six years ago, I worked the steps around food, right? I have found that I, I, um, so I, like I said, I, uh, I'm, I am also an alcoholic and I've been sober since 2009 and I worked the steps around alcohol back then. So because I am both an alcoholic and a food addict, I, my experience showed me that I can work the steps around alcohol and then I can also work the steps around food. And that was kind of like a pass to work the steps around, whatever I felt like working the steps around, (laughs) whatever was a problem, whatever I felt powerless over and was making my life unmanageable. Um, And so I have worked the steps around other people. I have worked the steps around specific character defects, like rage. Um, Like I, I come from a gnarly place, right? So that pause has really transformed my life. Um, uh, I work the steps, I work the steps around whatever I feel like working the steps around. And I think that's what, that's what's probably different is that um, I can work them around anything. You know? Thank you so much for that question, too. Mary Liara from Oregon. Next up is Christina, followed by Mara. Good morning. Boy, that was incredible, Jordan. Really, really beautiful. Um, I think I myself, I'm not that new in program at all, but I think that newcomers will get such a great benefit from your share. Um, so in your six years, um, my question is, how close did you come to a relapse, and what did that feel like, and what were the warning signs maybe you saw in retrospect or even before you came near that? And, of course, I probably know what you did about it, but <laughs> uh, if you want to share that, too, that'd be great. I'm just curious because, you know, that's such a slippery slope for a lot of us. Thank you. Yeah, that's a really great question, Christina. Um, and I have found it uh, to be a, a somewhat slippery slope, for sure. Um, <clears throat> uh, especially with food. Like, as both as both an alcoholic and a compulsive overeater, I feel like food's a lot more slippery. Um, what that felt like. So I, it was, it was what, I guess it was about three years in the program. It was 2020. Um, I, my sponsor, my sponsor relapsed. um, And I was like, okay. Um, And so uh, we stopped working together. um, And I'm not, I, 
I haven't really been very diligent about continuing to work with her anyway. You know, like there were plenty of opportunities that I had to call her up and do a 10 step. And I just hadn't, I hadn't been diligent about that um, at all as far as like looking at um, uh, my own mistakes, right? Um, But she relapsed and she was in a rough spot. So, you know, she let me go. Um, And I was just kind of like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll, um, I'll be okay. Like I'm, I'm good. I have three years now and um, I have a food plan, you know, like I'm solid. I'm solid. We're good. Um, And I'm, I'm not like, I'm still a compulsive overeater, you know, like that's what it comes down to is I am still a compulsive overeater. Um, I'm not good. Like I need to be working with another compulsive overeater. I need to have a sponsor, you know, I need to be accountable to someone with what what's going on in in my life, you know. Um, it's still really easy to isolate. Like just because I'm out of the food, it's very very easy to isolate. So I that isolation I think is really where it begins. Where I make a conscious decision, like, oh, I, I don't, I don't need to do that. I'm not, I will, I don't need to tell anyone or talk about that. Or I'm fine, you know. It's self-reliance, like right there. That is self-reliance. That is the start of it, right there, you know. Um. <clears throat> so, um. Yeah. So I and I, I went with. I think I went. What I went like two years without a sponsor and it's just so it's just really unnecessary you know um i was working with sponsees still you know like i i I was working a program um but i i need that accountability um still even now you know i actually in some ways i need to be more accountable now um than when i first came in here (laughs) just because you know, (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, that stuff, it's insidious. It's just very, very insidious, especially when you have some time under your belt, you know, and I guess, I don't know, I guess I learned that, I learned that in AA too, um, prior, prior to coming into Overeaters Anonymous that, um, yeah, like I need to be a part of, you know, um, and I need to be actively participating. And I, I, I don't need to find excuses to get out of it because it, it makes my life better. Like not being in those isolative situations, my life is better, you know. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, it, it, it's just a. I think it is part of it is to recognize how self-will comes in new and different ways um, and and seeing that and recognizing it as self-will and not letting it run riot, you know, um, getting, getting back to what you got to do. So, yeah, so I got a new sponsor and um, we're, we're not reading the big book together. We're reading a different book together that I won't mention because it's not um, OA-approved literature, but 
um, it's a great book, and it's about um, it's actually specifically about relapse <laughs> um, it, from a very wise individual, and it's just been it's it's been good, you know, to get out of that isolation. But that's where it starts is with isolation and and self reliance. Thank you very much, Christina J for your question this morning from North Carolina. Maura Z, you're up next from Virginia with your question. Star one, please. Susie. Thanks, Melanie. Appreciate your service as always. So good to hear your voice. Jordan, thank you so very much for that very thorough presentation. Appreciated you going through the first nine before you hit 10, 11, and 12. That made it a lot more clear. Um, My question is about step 12 and because I've been discussing this with my sponsees, um, we can't exactly do what is said in the big book to go to priests and doctors and ask if they've got a corker. Um, so I was just wondering about your 12-step practices um, with people that you meet outside of the rooms as to whether or not you approach anybody um, and how you handle that. Thanks so very much. Appreciate your time. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. And again, that's kind of a hard one because there's no like rule of thumb. There's no way to be like, oh yeah, always do this and it'll always work. Um, it's like it's like that intuitive thought or decision, right? Um, uh, it, I mean, it really is about like I. I stay in touch with God throughout the day. And so if I'm having this feeling like I, you know, like I should say something to someone, because it's not like, it's not like every single person I encounter that's overweight is a compulsive overeater, you know? Some people are just overweight. Some people really do just have a weight problem, you know? Um, So it, it, for me, it's about staying in touch with the higher power so that when I get that intuitive thought or decision, I can listen to it and act on it, you know, because I, I, I know that it's coming from a higher power. It's not, it's not coming from, like, um, I don't know. <laughs> it's not coming from, from me, right? <laughs> it's not coming from, like, my self-righteousness. <laughs> about how the whole world should be eaten better or eaten healthier <laughs> or whatever it is, you know, because I can. I can get really self-righteous about that stuff, um, especially with the people I love. It's hard. It's really hard. I, I have other compulsive readers in my family, and it's really hard to watch people suffer. Um, <clears throat> and it's hard to know um, when to say something and when to not. So I try to leave it up to God, you know, um, and ask for that guidance so that I know it's not my self-will coming through. Um, And sometimes it's received well and sometimes it's not. And, like, all I can really do in that situation, like, as far as, you know, like the courage to change the things that I can in that situation is to seek God harder, <laughs> you know, like like uh, work recovery in my own life, you know, 
um, because the more that I'm focused on my own recovery, the more attractive that is going to be to that other person. And that's what's going to change their mind, not some self-righteous lecture from me. So, um, yeah, and, and uh, it's, it's not up to me. It's up to God whether, you know, like what it is that happens in that situation. Um, I try to keep in mind that I am not God and I do not have the whole picture. I do not have all of the information. Um, there's no way I could possibly know what's best, you know? So I got to trust um, that whatever's happening is supposed to be happening. Thank you, Maura Z, for your question this morning. Maura Z from Virginia. Next up, Pedro B with a question from California. Hi, Pedro, star one. Good morning, can I be heard? Loud and clear. Step right in. Uh, thank you so much, Jordan, for uh, sharing your experience with us. I'm, I'm trying to look for a word to, to describe the feeling that, uh, that I just experienced listening to you. And the only word I can come up with is, wow. You know, and what I want to know that my question is, what's a good time for me to reach out to you? from California, because I really want to talk to you. Uh, I'm a chronic relapser, and once again, I'm working on day seven. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Pedro. Um, so honestly, I, um, I'll i give my contact information after the recording, but um, I am, I'm visiting family right now, so it would actually be much better to reach out to me later in the week um, once I've returned back to Colorado. I, f- I fly back to Colorado on Wednesday, um, so Thursday or Friday would actually be the best time, um, and I'm happy to take some time and, and talk more, um, and um, yeah, yeah, I mean, relapse is a, that... Yeah, I don't want to go there. <laughs> it took me three tries to um, to really get like real, entirely abstinent um, for real, and really be like willing um, to take an honest look at that, um, to take an honest look at at what I was putting in my mouth. So yeah, I'd be happy to talk more about that. Thank you very much, Pedro. I suspect that that's going to be a good bit of information for those that are wanting to speak with you, Jordan. It looks like for the time anyway, that would be the last question for today as we wrap up this morning to be able to stop at our hard stop at the top of the hour, right, for everyone that that, um, has things that we are going to be doing today. But thank you again. It was a wonderful, wonderful share. The answers to the questions today just, just melted my heart because they seem to walk in line with what it is that we all are doing here in recovery. Thanks again and happy, happy anniversary to you. This is six years of living a sober recovered life. Um, makes makes this a very emotional time. I can feel it. I can feel it in you. I can feel you pushing that out towards all of us here. Thank you for, for doing that. Oh my goodness, you offered so much of yourself today. So let's wrap this up this morning um, by doing what we always do at A Vision for You here. And it's, Closing out by the reading on page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. 
Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you 